Welcome to IA Financial Group's In Your Interest podcast, where we aim to share with you the essentials of economic news and its impact on your finances. My name is Ashley, and this week we're taking a look at the latest economic news with, as always, Sebastien McMahon, our Chief Strategist and Senior Economist, and Adzil Maroug, Senior Strategist and Director in the Asset Allocation Team. The year 2023 is still very young, and it seems to me that the markets are in a state of flux. After a hectic year in 2022, our listeners would certainly have preferred a return to calm. Sébastien, Adzil, welcome. And can you maybe summarize the major themes at play since the beginning of 2023? Hey, hello, Ashley. It's great to be here and especially with uh, my colleague Adil. So, yeah. hello, Adil. Hello. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Sebastian. Hi. First time in the podcast, but uh, first time of many, I'm sure. And Adil, you've been with us for, what, six months? Just about six months, yeah. Yeah, and we've been working together for all of this time. So Adil is part of the asset allocation team. So uh, we're looking at the economy, we're looking at the markets, we're looking at fundamental trades together. So it's great to have you here today. And when we, when we discuss strategy, of course, we were at the beginning of 2023, pretty much like every other economist out there. They were expecting a recession at some point, which people were calling the most expected recession in history. And we, everyone was looking at inflation slowing down in 2023, uh, rates from central banks rising early in the year, then a pause and then going lower. Uh, but now post SVB, let's say post Silicon Valley Bank, maybe things have moved a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, Sebastian. So pre-SVB, pre-banking crisis in the United States, and then a little bit later uh, to Europe, the major themes were inflation, growth, monetary policy. Uh, we were in a situation where there was quite a bit of uncertainty, even though you're absolutely right, it was probably uh, the most anticipated recession in, in history. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the high inflation, there were some sectors that were still uh, interesting and were opportunities to position uh, uh, in terms of investments. And uh, well, one of them was the utilities sector, which is a very strong inflation hedge. So in utilities, if you're like, let's say, an electricity producer and you're selling electricity to the retail market, usually you would have clauses in the contracts that uh, specify that you can index your prices to inflation. So whenever inflation goes up, your prices go up as well. And so you're kind of protected uh, from uh, rising uh, prices. Yeah, and we were also wondering about the lingering impacts of the very quick rise in interest rates by central mm-hmm. banks. So that was a theme that we were looking at in 2023. We've been advocating uh prudence, let's say, uh, defensive stance in portfolios, not, you know, running for cover, but just, you know, not at least uh, plunging into the most speculative uh, themes. Now, I mean, when rates rise quickly, you know that at some point, something somewhere is going to break. Maybe maybe that's what we saw. Maybe that's just the beginning. Maybe maybe it's going to be contained. But still, for investment themes, posted SVB, we need to look at the world differently, right? Yeah, absolutely, Sebastian. We're in a, in a different world. I mean, some sectors are still going to be good. I mean, consumer staples, people still need toothpaste. So mm-hmm. that sector is there to stay. But we're looking at like higher uncertainty and we're looking even within the banking sector at differences, let's say, between Canada and the United States. So Canadian banks have traditionally been more resilient than in the U.S., thanks to no small part to a stronger regulatory framework, more stringent uh, constraints on Canadian banks. And it's something that we do uh, look at uh, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, and the Canadian 
stock market is diversified in a different way than in the US. The US is more widely diversified, but here we have lots of exposure to banks. So, you know, the exposure of energy and natural resources, it's a bit higher in Canada. So, investing locally, you get a different flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Just by being exposed to the Canadian market, we get exposure to some sectors that are really going to be major uh, over the next uh, decades. So, for example, uh, we have a strong base metal industry. Mm-hmm. And you might say, what does this have to do with a, with the growth sector? It's been around for a while. But if we want to reach the target set by the Canadian government of having 100% new car sales being electric by 2040, well, we need those metals to build those cars. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about copper, lithium, and nickel, for example. And there has been a chronic underinvestment for the past decade. So it's a good opportunity for us to position ourselves uh, in, in those uh, markets. Not only that, but if you look at it also from an ESG perspective, this is uh, the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Yeah. And ESG, of course, is very important in 2023 and is going to be growing in importance likely over the next decade or decades. So, uh, you know, it's important to the environment issues, but also the social and governance. And there are some issues around the social part for very importantly around the production of resources around the world. So in Canada, maybe we're, we, can, we, we, we are favored in this aspect. Yeah, yeah de- definitely. I mean, if you look at just cobalt, for example, which yeah. is a, the poster child of ESG issues when it comes to base metal production in, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, 70% of world production comes from there, but the working conditions are absolutely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at base metal, we're also looking at countries where to source them. And of course, we favor Canada. Uh, when it comes to uh, base metals. Yeah, and you know, we've been saying for for multiple months now that we, we tend to be underweight equities, but uh, it's pretty much all in the US, the underweight. Uh, elsewhere, we tend to be neutral and we tend to be even positive on the Canadian stock market because it's cheap compared to its history, compared to other, uh, to other markets, but also it has a strong exposure to some sectors like that, that, you know, in the ESG world, if you want to have resources, but you want to have more more ethical production, then you know, Canada makes sense. No, and definitely. Even before the health crisis, we were already hearing about the decoupling or the disassociation between the economies of China and the United States. Uh, the pandemic we have experienced has reminded us of how interconnected global economies are. Has the global dynamic we knew changed? Well, the global dynamic uh, that is the decoupling of the U.S. economy and the Chinese economy has started even before the pandemic. So, uh, for example, I mean, we all remember some of uh, President Trump's tweets that did shock the world and and kind of put in a not-so-diplomatic way that that set in motion that decoupling between China and the U.S. Um, But we also remember that during the pandemic, there were some goods that we were not able to get, and there were runs on supermarkets, on grocery stores, on pharmacies. And so it showed us the need to move from a just-in-time system to a just-in-case system. Mm. And it will lead to a reshuffling of the global supply chain, and we see a wonderful opportunity there. Yeah, and uh, also globalization has been one of the drivers of growth for 
last 50, 60 years. And, you know, we, the developed world sent its uh, production of more polluting goods to other parts of the world than, you know, where they, they polluted. But then we had the things at the lower cost. So that was disinflationary. Now that we need to reshore some of that production, that also feeds into maybe some inflationary pressures for the next few years. So again, having some exposure to the more cyclical parts of the economy, like in the Canadian markets, that also ties with this uh, this view. Yeah, absolutely, Sebastian. There was always an implicit cost of having to produce goods far away from Canada. Mm -hmm. right. There was always uh, not only the cost of transportation, which we did pay, but there was a cost mm -hmm. in terms of security, but also in terms of you know pollution that is not directly accounted for mm -hmm. in the price that we pay. So having warehouses in Canada to you know stockpile those resources, but also having maybe assembly factories that are closer to home or at least more diversified geographically represents a, a big plus from the ESG perspective. So we spoke a lot also about terms and equity. Can we maybe speak a little bit more about bonds? Yes, absolutely. So as we all know, bonds are you know closely related to monetary policy and the additional uncertainty that was created because of the regional banking crisis in the U.S. and the banking crisis in Europe, it, it shows us that there will still be lingering uncertainty when it comes to the bond market. But we still believe that we are near or at peak rates and therefore are constructive when it comes to the bond market. We're right. still expecting positive returns, but massive volatility over the next few weeks at mm -hmm. least. Great. Thank you so much, Edzil. Thank you, Sebastien, for sharing. It was great. To all our listeners, thank you for being here and we hope to see you next week. Love this podcast? Want to know more about economic news? Follow our In Your Interests podcast, available on all platforms. Visit the economic news page on ia.ca or follow us on social media.